Welcome to CPAC Now America Uncanceled. Uh, I'm very sorry that my normal co-host is not with me today. Uh, Mercedes has grabbed several of the children and uh, is at an undisclosed beach location somewhere. She tells me she's working, uh, but I'm not convinced. Uh, if you see her active on Twitter, I guess that'll be part of our proof. But uh, there's so much going on in the world, and we have said uh, from you know, a few weeks ago that never, really in my adult lifetime, have we had these kinds of decisions coming out of the Supreme Court. And we have these decisions because Donald Trump had the guts to put constitutionalists on the court. Now, let's say this once again, are they conservatives? Most likely. But they're not doing the conservative political thing on the court. They're actually just doing what a justice is supposed to do. They're reading the law and they're reading the Constitution. And they're saying what's in it and what's out of it. The reason why uh, left-wing justices don't do that is because they actually don't believe in the Constitution. They think the Constitution isn't a document made up of words, but it has a spirit involved in the Constitution uh, that is growing and breathing and changing over time. Can you believe that? I didn't know words changed over time. But apparently they do, and that makes the Constitution kind of a, a bastardized form of what it was when it was created. That's how you get a decision like Roe v. Wade, where a justice of the Supreme Court decides to become a scientist and a doctor and a pop psychologist. He comes up with words like penumbras uh, or like something oozing or seeping from the Constitution that gives us the spirit of some kind of new right and a la you have a right to abortion, even though the word abortion or anything involving reproduction doesn't really, uh, is not in the guts of the Constitution. So uh, this is the weird world we've been dealing with for almost my entire adult life. Out of nowhere, we have five and a half Republican-appointed justices acting like Republican-appointed justices. This has actually never happened in our history, so it's quite a time. And uh, we wanted to bring a prominent member of the House Judiciary Committee onto the show to talk about this, someone who is out there battling for you uh, all the time, Congressman Ken Buck from the great state of Colorado. Congressman, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. It's great to be with you. Uh, it's great to have you with us. I want to show a brief clip of Elizabeth Warren going on, uh, you know what they might say, but going on a rant uh, about the need to make sure women abort their children just as many times as is possible. Let's show this clip real quickly. These so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one, giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. You know, uh, Ken Buck, uh, uh, there are people that claim to be pro-choice in this whole debate on abortion, but when they start fighting crisis pregnancy centers, it doesn't make them sound very pro-choice. Why can't there also be part of those choices, be a choice for life? You have a great tweet where you said, as the radical pro-abortion mob continues its violent rampage, the DOJ must intervene and take swift action. And you're talking about protecting these crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, what is going on here? Well, Matt, it's real simple. The, the left uh, is attacking any group politically that they don't agree with. And in this case, uh, they are trying to react to and, and gain some sort of sympathy with folks uh, by committing violence, which, which absolutely doesn't make any sense. But they 
in my district, they burned down a pregnancy resource center um, and spray painted the words on that pregnancy resource center, if abortion isn't safe, neither are you. Those are words that have been used by Marxist organizations across America to talk about uh, how to attack uh, pro-life uh, organizations. It is terribly sad. And one of the things that, that it reminds me of, when I was a federal prosecutor in the 1990s, I uh, worked for the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, and President Bill Clinton at the time ordered the U.S. Marshals to protect Planned Parenthood facilities and other abortion facilities because there were uh, pro-life groups, violent pro-life groups. I condemned them at the time. I condemn any violence now. Uh, they, and they were attacking these uh, abortion clinics. Um, the federal government does nothing, nothing to protect uh, pro-life organizations, churches that, that are being attacked. And it's sad and it's hypocritical. You know, they claim to be pro-choice, but they don't want to have clinics who call themselves avowedly pro-life. These clinics are established to make sure women also have the choice for adoption, the choice to deliver and get resources to pay for keeping their baby. Um, uh, that's part of choice. Aren't, isn't it true that, that many of these activists, they're not pro-choice, they're simply pro-abortion? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. When, when you talk about choice, it means that there are two options or more than two options. And in, in this case, uh, the left wants to take away every option but one. And that is the unfortunate reality of, of that. And, and they do the same thing with speech. They know they can't beat us on the merits of their arguments. And so they want to try to suppress our speech as much as they can. And they're doing that uh, by burning down facilities and, and, and spray painting uh, different organizations and churches and whatnot because uh, they want to try to intimidate people out of speaking. Yeah, and we saw also the threats aimed at judges and justices, this idea of protesting and trying to intimidate uh, members of the Supreme Court before this eventual Alito uh, opinion on overturning Roe v. Wade and the concurrence by Clarence Thomas. Wasn't the silence of DOJ around those uh, intimidating protests also stunning? It was stunning, and, and it is typical. They uh, used the FBI to investigate parents at school board meetings, but they refused to talk about uh, what this uh, group of Antifa radicals, uh, and it's really a nationwide group. This is a federal issue. Uh, any any violence or, or protests at school board meetings are, are local issues that have been dealt with by local law enforcement. This is a well-funded nationwide effort that the federal government should be looking into. They're not, and it's because of political reasons. So I, I kind of just always sit back and, and think of how they use language. Uh, uh, General Merrick Garland said that parents were domestic terrorists for showing up at school board meetings to ask very basic questions about the health and safety of their kids, but when you have uh, sketchy, uh, you know, protesters uh, trying to intimidate justices at their homes, on their front lawns, targeting their kids, putting, making it public where they go to church, where their kids attend school. Uh, you never hear the word domestic, the term domestic terrorist. You don't hear anything. Silence. 
Yeah, and and uh, clearly they are using language to try to uh, whip up support among the American public, and the American public sees right through it. They lost uh, in Virginia in the governor's race and other races there because of, uh, in large part, this this whole school board issue. Uh, they did their best to uh, use the language that would uh, move people in their direction. They didn't. They didn't succeed, and they're not succeeding now. People see through the the sort of violence and and are condemning the violence against these pregnancy resource centers and and churches. So uh, Ken Buck, uh, you and I have been around a little bit of time. Uh, we got the hair color to prove it. Um, we, no, it, this is not like bleach blonde from being at the beach. This is uh, experience on top of our head. And I've just never witnessed a Supreme Court, certainly Republican appointees to a Supreme Court, acting like they're Republican appointees, doing the constitutional thing, doing the hard thing, being made fun of, having their lives uh, threatened. You know, many of these justices couldn't stay in their houses because the, uh, the, the men and women who protect them were too worried about their safety. This has never happened. Um, this has never happened, certainly not in modern times, outside of the context of war. Um, we have all these great decisions. Help us understand the historic moment we're in. Well, uh, Matt, I agree with you. I, I think we should have a new Mount Rushmore for uh, yeah. five justices. They are, they are truly heroes who are standing up to the left and and what well, are they do you think we should put like john roberts ear on the mount rushmore just like a slender part of him like maybe just a little side of his face or what do you think I, you know I, I i always want to give uh, justice roberts uh, chief justice roberts the benefit of the doubt right. it, it sometimes is harder than other times but um i i do think that we have five solid constitutionalists and they're standing up for the constitution as you said earlier they're not standing up for any uh, conservative cause or right-wing cause they're just looking at the constitution and interpreting what the founders intended and if someone wants to change the constitution there is an amendment process it's not the supreme court and, and that's what these justices are standing so strongly on. And, and, and the reason I'm so proud of President Trump and others, uh, but particularly these justices who are under fire. Yeah, I, I have to say I agree. What's your take on Clarence Thomas? He says very little publicly, gives a few speeches, doesn't really ask questions at oral arguments. But he wrote his own opinion. My, from my standpoint, a man in his middle 70s, he's kind of the glue keeping these folks together. Do you think I have that right? Well, I do. I think he's definitely one of the leaders uh, on the court, and I think he is a, 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 a you know, a quiet, um, but but very strong intellectually uh, and, and persuasive with his uh, fellow justices when they are um, in in the uh, back room convening and and debating uh, the the Constitution and the meaning of, the, of these cases. And so, uh, I, I think he, um, I hope he uh, stays around, and and I hope that. Uh, he continues to do a great job. So you had uh, the Dobbs case where uh, they overruled Roe v. Wade, and it's being mischaracterized by people who mean to mischaracterize it as a nationwide ban on abortion. Of course, abortion is not going to be banned in Colorado. It's not going to be banned in my home state of Kansas. But there, you know, most likely will be common sense regulations uh, in most states. Um, what was your reaction to this decision? I thought it was a great decision. Roe was a bad decision. It was the wrong decision at the time. And, and what the court did was just say, this is a matter that should be decided at the state legislative level. This is not a constitutional right. 
Um, it is an, an issue that, that was being decided beforehand, before Roe, um, and it should continue to be debated. The people are closest to their state legislatures, and, and they should have the ability to petition the state legislature. They should have the ability to change uh, abortion law and, and refine abortion law at that level. The one size fits all doesn't work, and, and calling it a constitutional right uh, didn't work and, and was never the right thing to do. You know, uh, my guess is that if the uh, left wing of this country was able to get a constitutional amendment passed uh, for the right to abortion, which I don't believe could happen, but let's just say it did happen, I think these five and a half justices would have said any challenge to that amendment was wrong. I mean, that they're just simply looking at the words in this document. I think that's right. And I, and I think when you look at the other cases they decided and you take their their body of work for this year as a whole, you can see a consistent pattern of this court uh, respecting uh, the separation of powers uh, and, and uh, the, uh, the federalist concept that there are some issues that are uh, reserved to the federal government in the Constitution and all others are uh, reserved to the and, and that's really a, a concept that, that we have lost in the last hundred years and this court is returning to those ideas absolutely the right thing to do under the constitution and again controversial because the left uh, is is having to change their strategy as a result of the court returning to the constitution well Roe gets a lot of the attention but there was all these decisions you had decisions on uh, the ability of a coach to have prayer on a ball field. You had this question about uh, different flags being flown uh, in Boston and whether or not a Christian flag uh, could be barred from being flown. Uh, you had this question on the West Virginia case about whether or not these independent agencies can regulate us out of existence, especially on environmental regulations and all these questions around the uh, al almighty autonomy of these independent agencies known as Chevron uh, deference. You have all of these really interesting cases and others. Um, what do you think was the most consequential of all these, or is it a little bit of a tie? Well, I think certainly the Dobbs case was, was monumental in, in the abortion case, and I think it, it really took uh, the air out of the room. All the press was, was really dedicated to that. But the most uh, important case after the Dobbs case uh, is clear to me is clearly the West Virginia uh, EPA case, the case that, that, that changed the regulatory scheme. The left has always been great at they pass a law with one intention and then the administrative state uh, takes that uh, law and by regulation and executive action changes the meaning of that law completely. Uh, you, you look at the Endangered Species Act, we were intending to save the bald eagle, and, and next thing you know, we've got more than 5,000 species, uh, and some of them aren't even species, uh, on the Endangered Species Act at, the, at this point. And so uh, the, the fact that the court said, when Congress passes a law, it means what it means and you are bound to stay within the, the, the limits of that law, I think is huge. And, and we will see a lot more lawsuits uh, now from states that want to limit the power of these federal agencies. And this is a, a real precedent setting case for states' rights. And do you think it'll have a big impact in Colorado? 
it'll have a huge impact in Colorado. I'll tell you one of the one of the things again in in our lifetime that we've seen over and over. Uh, the Clean Water Act was passed uh, decades ago, and every time a Democrat administration takes office, they always pass a Waters of the U.S. Yes. Uh, uh, regulation through the uh, EPA or Forest Service or other uh, uh, federal agency. And, and this slaps that down. This says the, the Clean Water Act said navigable waterway. You have to prove it's a navigable waterway. You can't say that this ditch is a navigable waterway. You can't uh, come into a, a farm and require a, a farmer to comply with certain regulations, federal regulations, because this is not a navigable waterway. That It is a huge decision with broad, broad implications. So uh, talking about uh, your home state of Colorado, uh, you guys went through a primary. Um, you've got this, uh, uh, you got this whole question of left-wing money getting involved in your primaries. Uh, what was the what was the end result, and what should we learn from it? Well, it backfired in this case in, in Colorado. They've done it before, and and they have been the Democrats have done it before, and they've been successful before. Uh, this time, uh, we found out about it. Republicans found out about it. I wrote about it. Uh, newspapers publicized it, and uh, they didn't get the candidates they wanted. What they do is they uh, support uh, publicly candidates for office. Uh, hoping that that candidate will be less electable in the general election. So they're actually going in and picking the Republican candidate. It didn't work in Colorado. It's been tried in some other states, um, and they, they have been a little bit more successful other, other places um, than Colorado. But I think that uh, America will soon figure out that uh, it's important that Republicans choose their best candidate, Democrats choose their best candidate, and then let's have it out in the general election. And look, these Republican candidates are going to be uh, teaming with us at uh, CPAC Texas, which is August 4 to 6. Uh, folks are going to get a chance to really meet these candidates. Uh, you're out there, uh, obviously, in your home state of Colorado. You have a national profile, and people ask you to campaign for them. So I know you're getting around the country. My takeaway is the big red wave is not a myth. This is a real burgeoning, big dynamic in politics. Uh, what's your takeaway from your travel? Well, I, I agree with you, man. I think that uh, every time someone goes to the gas pump, they have another reason to vote Republican. When they buy uh, meat in, in the supermarket, um, when they hear stories about the southern border, uh, the, the idea that uh, the left wants to just take guns instead of deal with the real underlying causes of, of uh, violence, uh, all of those things have convinced people and others, frankly, uh, the, the terrible withdrawal in Afghanistan and what President uh, Putin or what I don't even want to call him a president, but what Putin is doing in uh, Ukraine, uh, all those things lead uh, to the uh, obvious conclusion that Republicans are much better prepared to govern in this country than Democrats. Well, I can't agree with you more. I think that, you know, when Jimmy Carter was done being president, uh, I think a lot of people decided they wouldn't vote Democrat for the rest of their life. And I have a feeling Joe Biden is a similar type of Democrat leader where the hurt from his policies will change political actions for another generation. It's just, it's so painful. It's painful and it's not going to get better. Uh, you look at interest rates and, and the really the shrinking of credit uh, in this country. And, and you know, what does is, what is President Biden do? He blames a gas station owner yep. for the price of gas. For 30 years, they've been trying to shut down 
fossil fuel production in this country, and he blames a gas station owner. Uh, people see through it. It's it's obvious. And it's crazy because these gas stations, you know, their profit margins on gasoline is is not how they make their money. They make their money on selling a bunch of candy bars and big gulps to people who are tired while they're driving on the highway. Ken Buck, we always appreciate your common sense. Thank you for your analysis of what this new majority on the Supreme Court is doing. These are courageous people, and we appreciate what they're doing. We're going to be right back to CPAC Now America Uncanceled after the show. Hey, I hope you all are enjoying this new set. It's going to change a little bit. We're tinkering with it to get the lighting exactly right and the coloration exactly right. But uh, we like the product and we hope you like the product. But it's not just how it looks, which is really good for a guy like me. It's not all about your looks. It's also about how it sounds. And uh, you can now watch our very uh, new Apple podcast, America Uncanceled with the Schlaps. Uh, you can watch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So you can get this show in just the audio portion. And of course, you should be following Mercy and me and CPAC on social media platforms on Twitter. She's at Mercedes Schlapp. I'm at M Schlapp. And you can follow CPAC at, at CPAC. And as we talked about with Ken Buck, he will be at CPAC Texas in Dallas, Texas, August 4 to 6. Go to conservative got, ugh, conservative.org. I can say it, conservative.org, uh, to get your tickets today. We still have plenty of tickets. Although, as you know, we get to this one month before the event, they start going fast. And it's a who's who. We have some great announcements of speakers today, uh, so I don't want to kind of let the cat out of the bag yet, including our featured dinner speaker, uh, who is going to be funny. And uh, it's someone who I personally just think is awesome. So uh, be watching us on the social media platforms. Uh, give us a call in the office if you don't like using your computer. I kind of hate computers. So whenever I order something, I always call the 1-800 number. So you can call our 1-800 number. You can call our number. I don't know if it's 1-800. We're so cheap. It might not be 1-800. But we'll put it on the screen. Uh, and you can call one of our wonderful young staffers and get all signed up for CPAC. And uh, I promise you we're going to have Mercy back soon on our next show. We're going to talk to James Carafano of the Heritage Foundation, talking about this curious diplomacy of the confused Biden administration. Can James give us some kind of sense to what these crazy people are thinking? Uh, thanks again for tuning in to uh, America Uncanceled on CPAC Now, and we'll talk to you again soon.